And God, I just thank you for this church that loves to worship you, God, in this time together. We love to come together in your name and just worship you. We just ask that you prepare us, God, for your teaching. Strengthen us, God, as we take your teaching and your word and apply it to our lives, God, and to our hearts. And we hope that through everything that we do, God, you are glorified through it because we just want to become the best worshipers with you, of you, God, that we can be through our actions, God, and through our lives. And we want to let others see, God, that love and that worship in everything that we do, that we just follow after you, God. Follow after your voice, that we would recognize your voice as our shepherd, as our leader, and we would follow you, God, each step of the way. And we love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Before we jump right in, a couple of quick things. That was... I was standing out there listening to you guys sing and uh, watching Jen and Gordon. <clears throat> it's pretty, it's pretty fun to watch people develop in their giftedness, isn't it? To watch Jen and Gordon just come as far as they come. Many of you've been here for years, and uh, and to see that how God has been working in their lives and the Spirit moving in their lives and the maturity that they uh, that they have and their ability to lead worship, it's it's just really cool. And then for us to, um, I know even a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, if, if Jen stood there and took the mic away and she said, you know, let's sing, <laughs> you would have heard silence, crickets going off. Um, and there's something different over the last couple of years, especially the last year, that is happening in our worship time. And I'm just excited to see it. I'm, I'm excited to see the spiritual maturity of our church. And it says something when people are singing loud and, and they're clapping their hands and they're coming together. It means we're more comfortable with each other. It means the Holy Spirit is moving in people's lives. Um, people more open to sharing what God is, is, is how God is speaking to them during the worship service. This is what it's all about. And it's exciting for me to sit and listen and watch how God is moving in your lives and on the worship team um, and the effort they put in, but the effort you're putting in as well. So that's exciting. The other thing I want to talk to you about very quickly was I want you to be thinking about, and I'm going to be talking about this over the next couple of months. So um, I'm not going to say, please forgive me. I'm not going to apologize for it because it's important. This is real important for our church. I want you to be thinking through when May rolls around, especially mid-May to July or so, you know, uh, the parties start, you know, graduation start, all these things start happening and people come more infrequently, and, and you know, I understand all that. I don't have a problem you know, getting here as much as you can. But what happens is the giving starts to go down. Okay, Now here's where we are. We're in the best financial position we've ever been in our church's history, period. Okay, So this is not a play, oh, we're going, you know, what are we going to do? That's not what I'm talking about here. We're doing phenomenally well. The giving is way up. The numbers are up. The giving is up. Everything's up. So I don't have an issue. I'm having a blast. Okay, But here's what happens in mid-May to June. We take about $40,000 of the money that we have reserved for other projects, and it's gone. And what, the reason why is because people go away like they normally do and just forget to give. Because you're gone, and then it's hard to catch up. And I've had people tell me this, you know, I want to tithe regularly, but it's hard when you get back and you've fallen behind and we don't give, you know, like we were when we were here. So we have the opportunity to give online now. It's so simple. You go online, become a part of the Grace Chapel community, you set it up, and you can just give while you're, no matter, you can be in Hawaii and you can still give. 
And we need that to happen because we're going to be doing a lot of projects in this in the sanctuary. We're going to be renovating some of the sanctuary with new new sound, lighting, all kinds of things. Not all new, but a lot of the a lot of new things. Uh, expanding the stage, fixing the stage, and making it a little larger. We're going to be doing a lot of different things that upgrade the sanctuary experience. But then also outside, if you drive in. You love Grace Chapel because you're, this is your family. But if you drive in, all of us say sometimes, gosh, I wish we could fix this up a little bit more. We're going to repaint, if we can, this entire campus. We're going to put landscaping. All, this whole upper parking lot is going to be completely transformed. So when you drive in, you say, that is really nice. That's really pretty. I, this looks really great. We want to do that because, you know, you'd love to say, well, people don't care about how the outside of the church looks. And we've come a long way. And for us, it's like, wow, look how much we've done. But if you're just driving in, you're like, well, you know, maybe they could fix that up a little bit or do some of this. And if you've noticed, we've done a lot of work uh, over the last few months. But this summer, we have the resources to do some major damage in a good way on this campus. Okay, to do a, a, a complete facelift, you know, overhaul. But if we have to spend thirty or fifty thousand dollars of that money just because, you know, because people forgot to tithe, it's a waste. So I really want to start talking about it now and saying, please remember to go online and give. Even if you just give your normal amount, we if we give normally, we'll have more money to use for all these different things that God is calling us to do. Okay. So above and beyond our budget, we'll just put, be putting more away to be able to do the things that we want to do. We want to renovate these classrooms, open up that back area. Um, there's so many things that God is, is leading us to do. But I, I, I'm a very conservative person when it comes to finances, and I, I don't want to go and borrow or get up in church and say, well, we decided to do this, and now we're falling short. I just want to have the resources to do it. So my little spiel for this morning, please sit down with your family, talk about it and say, let's not forget, let's set it up for this. Even if you just set it up for the summer, set up an automatic kind of thing for the summer so that the resources keep coming in so we can use all of our resources to do what the elders and the staff are planning to do on the inside and outside of this facility. Okay, family discussion over. All right. Um, Next week, we're starting a new series. The Path to Stronger Relationships. I'm excited about this series because I know it will, it will strengthen uh, relationships that are maybe uh, struggling a little bit. It will help struggling relationships and it will definitely strengthen healthy relationships. This is going to be um, a, a series, not just, you know, when we do relationships, much of the time it's, you know, how to deal with just your children and half the people in the church are like, man, I've, I'm past that or, you know, I don't, I'm not there yet. And so they're kind of bored. This is, not, this is not going to be that type of series. It's going to be about relationships in general. And we're going to really use the word of God and use some other resources to impact your life, I think, in such a powerful way. And it'll be about six weeks long, starting not this morning. We're going to finish up our our series. What on earth am I here for? But starting next week, it'll go six weeks long. And we're not just going to talk about it on Sunday mornings, but on Wednesday nights, I'm going to have my wife, Debbie, come up and she's going to do some of the sermon with me. Um, she is just incredible when it comes to um, relationships, especially with, you know, developing relationships with your kids and, um, and relationships with others and helping out. So I want to use some of her skill and resources as well. But we're going to be teaching on Sunday mornings and then again on Wednesday nights. We're going to come together. We're going to share a little bit and a little shorter and then have time in small groups. Okay, and also some question and answer time. Where we'll be there because a lot of people during this sermon would love to just stop and say, whoa, whoa, whoa stop right there. I have a question. Well, on Wednesday night, we're going to be able to do that. Not this coming Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. 
So um, that's going to be happening on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. I'd like to encourage the life groups to be a part of that as well. We're going to be using three different books. One has a, a quick story that goes with it. The first book we're going to use is 10 Mistakes That Parents Make With Teens and How to Avoid Them. Now, again, this is not the only thing we're going to be using. So if you don't have teens, don't say, well, this is all just for parents with, with uh, pre-teens and teens. It's not. We're going to be using this book. We're going to be using the five love languages and the five forgiveness languages. Books that truly have impacted my life as a pastor, using them myself, but also using them to, to share with you. Very powerful books, the five love languages and the five forgiveness languages. Now, the p- 10 Mistakes Parents Make with Teens and How to Avoid Them was written in, the, in about 1988 by Jay Kessler. Jay Kessler was the president of Taylor University for years. An incredible man, um, and he wrote this book, and I and, and Deb and I used it all the time in youth ministry and for our own children. It came out in 88, so we used it uh, to really, imp- it really impacted our lives. In about mid-90s, the book went out of print. It was a bestseller, went out of print. And, uh, and so I wanted to keep using it because parents still come to me as a senior pastor and say, what, do you have any books that I could read? This is the best one I've ever read. It's so practical. It's so good. You know, you, anyone can pick it up and say, yes, I can do those things. This makes sense to me. So I went to look for it out of print. So I had the secretary of the church, I had a few years ago, five years ago, call Taylor University and find out if Jay Kessler was still around and how we could get hold of him or if they could ask him if we could have permission to just photocopy his book on the copy machine. Because it's illegal just to do that and give it out to people. So she got on the phone. About five minutes later, she came back and said, he's on the phone. I said, who's on the phone? She said, Jay Kessler's on the phone. I said, no, he's not. He's not. No, he's not. She said, yeah, he's on the phone. He wants to talk to you. So I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. And he's like, hey, this is Jay. hey Jay, how's it going? You know, like I knew him. Um, I said, you know, how, you know, I talked to him about the book. I said, you know what? This impacted our family in such a powerful way. Uh, we use it so much. And as a youth pastor, I used it all the time. It's the only book I really gave out. And now and as a senior pastor, I'd like to use it for our church. And he said, so all I want to do, I said, is photocopy. He said, well, I'll, I'll go one better. He said, what if I give you the rights to the book? I said, can you do that? He said, yeah, I'll give you, I'll legally give you the rights to this book. And then you guys can kind of rewrite it, update it. You know what I mean? Use it for, for, for your church and for anything else you want to use it. You know, get it back out there. And I said, absolutely. So he gave us the rights of the book. And so the last few years, Deb and I have basically updated uh, this book, you know, get rid of the, the Dukes of Hazard references and things like that. Um, <laughs> you're like, what Dukes of Hazard? What? <laughs> um, and uh, updated it for the 21st century, but the, the practical principles are there. We have study questions. Um, we've rewritten. We put some things in there for, you know, how to deal with your kids when it comes to the Internet and things like that, to things that weren't happening in 88 that are now we have to deal with all the time. So we're going to use this book. It's, it's for sale out here right now for $10 if you want to get it for your life group and everything. If you can't afford $10, you know what, just tell them, hey, I don't, I don't have $10 right now. I'll give a donation. If you don't have any money, you can, you can have them, okay? Um, I just want to make sure you get them. For their $10, if you, don't, if you need one and you can't afford it, you just let me know and I'll make sure. What is that? Oh, donuts from the kids. I get hugged a lot and the kids grab my leg with their donuts. Sometimes I walk around and have little, little handprints on my back and everything. Donut prints. It shows your love. shows your love. Um, so, yeah, if you need one, just let me know. Um, this is going to be, a, a, to me, a dynamic, a dynamic series. Now, that's next week. This morning, we're going to finish up our series, What on Earth Am I Here For? 
you know, God has laid out five purposes for our lives. And we've been talking about those five purposes over the past few weeks. I went twice, I did, I kind of broke a sermon into two pieces, and then we hit um, Easter, so I had to kind of put it off until now. But we went through the four of the purposes. We said that you, you, were, you were called to be loved. We said that, you know, you were called to belong. You were called to become, and you were called to bless. This morning, I want to talk about the fifth purpose, the fifth calling of our lives, and that is you were called to be sent. Each one of us has been called to be sent. If you ever want to know what the, 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 what, why God you know, put everything together, what history was all about, I'm going to tell you right now. This is, this is the culmination of all of history. God is calling to himself a family. God is gathering a family. That's what history is all about. God, the God of heaven, is gathering a family around him. God is gathering people, gathering people who will love him and who will live with him forever. The Bible is absolutely clear on this. God gave this message first to the Israelites, to the Jews, and they were supposed to go and tell the other nations about God, about God gathering this family Now, God has given us the responsibility, those who know Jesus Christ, who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to to share that same message, to share the love of God with others, to share the love of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel, to share the grace of God with all of those around us, with the people that God has placed into our lives. 1 John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says it this way, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. All of us, here's something very important. Theologically, you have to understand. All of us in the, in the, in the world are created by God. We're all created by God. All of us in the world are loved by God. God loves everyone. Even people who hate God, God loves them. But not everyone is a child of God. Not every person who is walking the planet is a child of God. A child of God is a person who's made a choice to to enter into God's family. As God calls them, they've made a choice to be a part of God's family. God created the universe to gather unto himself a group of people who are willing, who are willing to choose to love him. He gives us a free choice. He gives us free will to either accept him, to love him, or to reject him. Many people have chosen to reject him. They, don't, they want to live the way they want to live. If you ever get in a long conversation with someone, ask them, you say, why, do, why, do you, why don't you believe in God? I've, I've had more people give me this answer than any other answer I've ever heard talking to people. Well, you know what? I don't really want there to be a God because I don't want to follow him. I don't want to obey him. I don't want to do what that God says. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live my life. So people choose to reject God. They choose not to be a part of his family. God still loves them. God still created them. But they are not a child of God because they have not chosen to become a part of God's family. Now, once you're in God's family, God wants you to reach out to the people around you with his love. He wants you to share the love of Christ. What Jesus Christ, we talked about it last week. He wants you to share what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them. That we are, we are still dead in our sin. We were, David said it. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. 
Okay? We're born into sin. We inherit it. Jesus Christ comes to earth, holds one hand up to God and one hand down to you and bridges that gap. God is perfect and cannot be in the presence of sin. Cannot. Jesus Christ covers us with his blood, covers us with his sacrifice, and connects God and man. So we can enter into the Holy of Holies, if you will. When Jesus died on the cross and says that the, 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 the temple curtain was ripped, that is the separation between God and man. Jesus now opens up the door. We can pray to God. God can have that personal relationship with us. So that's what Christ has done. And we are responsible to share the love of Christ with everyone who we come into contact with. When we're on our sports teams, when we're at work, to share God's love with them in a way that just kind of reaches out and says, you know, there is a God who cares and who loves you. I remember when I, when I was 17 years old, uh, I, I've told you this many times, my philosophy of life was I hate everyone I don't know and I hate most people I do know. Well thought through, based upon my experience in life, I thought people were horrible, most people were cruel and nasty, and if you, you know, and basically I wanted to separate myself as much as possible. Don't trust them. But something happened when I was seven, my, my second half of my senior year. I, I kind of I wanted to go off. My plan when I was about 15 or 16 years old was to graduate from high school, go to Virginia, get about five or ten acres, get my house there, hopefully get married, live there and keep everyone else as far distant as possible. It's kind of like a Unabomber in the making, if you will. You know, you could just, man, it's kind of scary, you know what I mean? And, and God said, no, 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 no Unabomber for you. And in my second half of my senior year, he, he invited me to be a part of his family. And I said, yes, Lord, I want to be a part of your family. And I went from darkness to light. And my whole world changed because I realized that people are the way they are because they have a sinful nature, not because they're good at heart. And what they need to have is a relationship with Jesus Christ so all the good that he's put inside of people can come out. They can express it. They can fulfill their purpose. I understood. The world makes sense to me in a biblical worldview. The world makes no sense at all outside of a biblical worldview. At all. And so I had that. And I was, but I still, my plan was to go to Virginia. So I went to Virginia. But I'm in Virginia now. I'm like... Get me the heck out of Dodge. What a, I saw a lot of cows there, where, the part where I was in, and, but not a lot of people. And I wanted to share. I wanted to share what God had done in my life. I wanted to share the love of Jesus Christ. I wanted to share with people who he was and what could they could do, for, what he could do for them. So I got you know, back in my car, drove back to New York, went to Nyack, and, uh, and that's where I went to college. And, and I learned so much about the word of God and, uh, and set me on my path. And I was able to then get involved in the church, start sharing the love of Christ. But that's what God wants for each one of us. He wants us wherever we are to share his love with other people. And not in a way that forces it on them. Faith is not forced. If you have to be forced, it's not faith. God's not into coercion, okay? He's not, he doesn't, we're not supposed to, as Christians, coerce people or trick people or, you know, or bait and switch people or emotionally get people in a place where, you know, you get them all charged up. I mean, of course we're going to get emotional sometimes. But to, to, that's not what God, God doesn't use coercion. God uses persuasion. Come, let us reason together. So even last week, we talked about the cross and, and we talked about an apologetic view. We walked through Jesus on the cross and the historicity of that. And the, we talked about all, the, uh, you know, all kinds of arguments for, for it and, and people who would bring other things up. And I was using persuasion and saying, listen, here's the truth. I want you to use your rational, logical mind. Look at the truth. Many people accepted Christ last week. That's exciting. 
That's dynamic. God was moving. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to share the love of God in a persuasive, loving way. I don't think anyone's ever been argued into heaven. You come up with someone, just beat them over the head and, make, and you know, put them down or, or you know, make them feel uncomfortable. What that happens then is people put up walls. God wants us to lovingly persuade people, to share the truth with people so they receive him as Lord and Savior. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can, can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless he is sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's our fifth purpose of life. That's our fifth calling in life. I am sent to bring people into God's family. You were, de- you were created. You were designed. You were called. You were purposed. To bring people into God's family, the people around you, to share the love of Jesus Christ with the people around you. That, that is what God has called us to do. And, and, and the moment I asked Jesus Christ into my heart, like so many of you did the last week, that is what God wants me to do. He wants me to share the good news of Jesus Christ with all of those around me. That's what God calls each one of us to do. But God has given us so much. He given us, he's given us so many, so many tools to do that. Let me, let me throw something out to you. Um, say you, uh, you're just a great scientist. You have a great scientific mind, you know, and you come up with a cure for cancer. But you decide, you know what, I'm going to keep that a secret. I'm going to just keep it to myself. This is really cool, and I, 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 I came up with this idea, so I'm just going to keep it a secret. That would be a, a crime against humanity. But here's the thing. You have a more significant message. You have something even greater than that. How I can be forgiven from my past. How I can have a purpose in this life. How I can have a home in heaven. God can invest in people's lives and transform them. Their past can be forgiven. The things that they've been through can be overcome through the power of Christ as he continues to work in our lives. And then even as we go through the struggles and we go through the difficulties of life, we know that in the end, we will spend eternity with him. We will spend eternity with God. That is a message that needs to be told. You have that message. Other people don't. It is a crime against humanity and against God not to give that information, not to share that message with people who so desperately need it. There are people all around you who are hurting inside. They just don't walk up and say, my heart is breaking my, my family is falling apart. I don't know what to do. I went through a terrible situation a couple of years ago and something happened to me. And I don't know who to tell. And my, uh, my, I feel hopeless and I feel, I feel helpless. People aren't going to walk up to you and just start talking to you in that way. But there are so many people all around you who are feeling that way. And they just want someone to have the courage to say to them, to look for an opportunity to say to them, let me share something with you that can really make a difference in your life. And you don't have to do it by walking up to someone and saying, let me tell you about Jesus. 
I was, you can do it anywhere. I was sitting, I was sitting at, 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 at Taekwondo the other day. I was sitting next to a professor and we just started talking and we got into a conversation about the, about the Lord because he brought something up and I, I said, well, you know, we have a church in Mason and we started talking and, and he, we brought up all kinds of, of subjects and issues that were spiritually minded and, and we ended the conversation and he said, let, let, let's finish this conversation sometime. And he's in, we're in the same class. So I have a chance maybe take him out for lunch and just sit down with him. And, and t- two people just talking about life. Who knows what's going on in that person's life? Who knows what, they, what, what they're going through? Everyone deserves to hear the message of Jesus Christ to either accept it or reject it. And even if they reject it at first glance, you need to keep loving them and encouraging them. Don't reject people. Don't put people, don't just say, well, they're not good. They don't. If you would have seen me at 16 years old, 17 years old, I walked through the doors of this church. Some people walk through, oh, the whole building's going to fall on me. Okay. I am the guy the building would fall on. You would look at me and say, this guy, he's a foul mouth. Um, you go through whatever list you want to go through and you, you would not have thought he's going to respond to the gospel, but you had no idea what was going on in my heart. You had no idea that it would take one person to invite me to youth group and then one person who God would choose to walk up with a bunch of silly smile faces made out of Play-Doh and say, we're all glad you're here and watch someone's heart melt in the inside. I may have been cool on the outside. Hey, thanks a lot, blah, blah, blah. On the inside, I was like, wow, what just happened to me? You have no idea what people are going through. You have no idea how many people would desperately like to have what you have. One day, Jesus was debating the religious leaders uh, of his time, and they were, you know, he, you know, they try to get him. He smokes them every single time. So one of the religious leaders says to him, "Okay, what, you know, what is the what is the greatest commandment in the law?" <laughs> and Jesus said, I can, "I can tell you that real, really quickly." He said, summed up in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. My friends, life is not about, about accomplishments. Life is, life is not about achievements. It's not about acquisitions. Life is about relationships. It's about relationships. It's about your relationship with God. Life is about relationships. That is why people are suffering. The world tells them, go chase after this. Is this not a perfect plan of the enemy? dangling things that don't matter at all to people, chase after acquisition, chase after stuff, chase after achievement, chase after this, go after this blue ribbon or this or that, chase after them. You're running around in circles going, oh, where's my purpose? Where's the meaning of life? Ah." And they get you running and running and running and running. And you never really take focus on what's really important. Jesus summed it up. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the commandments hang. All the law, hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's what he said. It's about loving God with all your heart. It's about loving yourself in the sense of growing in your relationship with Christ, understanding who you were created and designed to be and knowing who you are and about loving your neighbor as yourself. Because once you have that, you love other people so much that you want to share that with them. You want to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Let me tell you something. You love people when you share the love of Jesus Christ with those people. I am so sick and tired of watching people go along with other people's sin, okay? Encourage them and just follow along or ignore it or whatever else and call it love. 
Oh, I don't want to say anything to this person. They're allowed to do anything they want to do. That's their business and blah, blah, blah. And then you call, uh, you call it loving them. It's not loving them. Loving a person is pointing out in their lives what's going to harm them on this earth and in eternity. Give them a key to a car that's going over a cliff is not love. It's not helpful. And we say it's love. We use that word love. God, if, God is the one who decides what love is. Not, not people making things up. And it's not loving to hand the keys to a person and drive them into oblivion. What's loving is to share the love of Jesus Christ with people. To share God's love with whoever it is and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and draw them closer into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But spare me with, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell people anything or I'm going to go along with everybody wants to do because that's loving. It isn't loving, okay? It's cowardice. It's cowardly. It's not love. It's not love. In Matthew 28, 19, we're commanded, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. At Grace Chapel, we live out this verse to to the best of our ability. Jesus said, as I have been sent, so I am sending you. This verse, the Matthew 28 verse, we, we, we try to practice that in our church. We try to live that in our church. We try to walk that way in our church. That is our desire. More than any other church that I have personally ever been a part of, Grace Chapel wants to go and use the gifts, the talents, and the abilities in every area you can imagine to reach a lost and hurting world. If you're in school, you're a campus minister. If you're going to work every day, you're a marketplace minister. If you're taking care of the family, you're a family minister. And you know that's been our, that what we've been talking about. Every opportunity and every place you go, on the field, at work, at home, in your neighborhood, we are to minister and to love other people into the kingdom of God. Jesus said it like this in John 15, 16. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Fruit is a metaphor for a successful life. Fruit is a metaphor for a fulfilling life, a successful life a fruitful life, a productive life. And Jesus is saying, I want you to go out and bear fruit that will last. Bear fruit that is going to last. Hear me out on this one, okay? Let me tell you something. So many people are living their lives. They don't know the difference between living and existing. There's so many people in this world today that are just flat out, they're not living their lives in the way that God wants them to, all, the, all that God has for them. And so they just kind of go through the motions. And you, you have to think of what can I do in my life that's going to last, that's going to be meaningful. Because most of what we're doing right now, to be really honest with you in this world, isn't going to last. People aren't going to remember it in 10 years, let alone 30 years or 50 years or 100 years. It's not going to last. They're not gonna, no, one's, no one really cares what, what book I read or what movie I saw last week or what I did on my, on my summer vacation. None of those things are going to last. There's only two things that Jesus said are going to last for eternity. Two things that matter and are going to last. Truth, the word of God, truth, and people. The word of God and people. 
people. If you want to invest your life in that which is going to outlast it, you need to invest in truth, in God's word, and holding on to knowing and sharing God's word and people. What is the best way to combine those two? It's sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those around you because you're sharing truth with people. And if those people respond, they spend eternity with Christ. What is more significant than that? What is more important than that? That will outlast you. What I love, I love more than anything else is getting on, on Facebook or whatever else or, or going to a party or going to a wedding or hanging out somewhere, I don't care where it is, and, and having a student, and I, when I was a youth pastor, come up to me with their teenagers now, which is pretty kind of scary, and saying, hey, this is what's happening in my life, and they're sharing, and I maybe led that person to the Lord, and now they're, they're three or four kids, they're believers as well. And they're, and they're in a family of believers and they've led their family to Christ because I ha- and I had an opportunity to invest in their lives. That will outlast anything. The only thing that, that, that matters in life is the truth of God's word. The only thing that will last is the truth of God's word and people. And God wants us to share that. There's nothing, there, there, there's nothing you can do that is more important than helping people determine the destiny of their lives because it is the only thing that is going to outlast them. William James said, the greatest use of your life is to invest in that which outlasts it. When you invest in people, when you invest in people, you are bearing fruit that is going to last for eternity. When you take your time to share God's love in its various forms, in its various forms, there's so many ways to share God, so many ways to share God's love with people. When you do that, you are bearing fruit. And Jesus said, I want you to bear fruit. I chose you to bear fruit. And he's saying, that will last. The fruit that you invest in that way will last for eternity. And God wants us to do this in three areas of our life. At home, in our community, and around the world. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, it says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, listen to the words, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know, when I, was, when I was first started going to youth group, I was like, man, I want to share God's love with people, but I don't really know how to do that. And I'll never forget, my youth pastor was driving the bus, big old, you know, big old church buses. And I said to him, well, how do I do, how do I share Christ with my family? How do I share Christ with all my friends and everything? And he said something really profound, you know, and now I'm going to tell you. He said, tell them what Jesus did in your life. Just tell them what Jesus has done in your life. We think of all these, oh, it's so scary, what do I... Just tell people what God is doing in your life. The conversation will start there and will continue and people's lives will be changed. You have no idea how many people want to hear the truth that are just, they're just drowning in the sea of lies that they're confronted with every day. Drowning in a sea of relativism. Everything goes, everything's fine. It just keeps going down, down, down. And people are just like trying to keep their head above water. Someone needs to share the truth. People are desperate to hear the truth. But they're, they're, so how do we do that? Let me share four ways very quickly. Number one, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray that, 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 that people would receive the message that God has for them that they would respond to. We need to pray for people in our community, in our homes, and around the world. We need to pray that when God offers, what, that God offers his truth, that they would receive his mission and purpose for their lives. That's what you're praying for. A world who is walking in circles with no purpose, pray that they would receive 
They would take advantage of and receive God's mission and purpose for their lives. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, we read this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Listen, this is just what I just said. There are so many people out there desperate to hear, but they're not hearing. He says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Part of your calling in this life is to pray that God would raise up people. You pray that God would raise up more people who are willing to go out into their schools, into their neighborhoods, into the world, into wherever, and share God's love with others. That is part of our responsibility to pray. Second, it's to give. Give to help others go. You know, some of you right now are not in a position where you can go. Maybe, maybe you're in a part of your life right now where you have little ones at home. You have like toddlers, you have preschoolers, and you're lucky if you can go to the bathroom, okay? That, that, you, if you can go to the bathroom okay, by yourself, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know? Without someone scratching or banging on their, mommy, 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 right? You say, go, I can't go anywhere, right? You can't go. So, but you can help other people to go. And to, and to do the things that you would love to do, but right now you're not in a position to do them. You, maybe you're a little older and you can't physically, you know, take the traveling as much as you used to. You'd love to go, but you're just, you know, you've grown spiritually, but you're not at a point in your life where you can go right now. We know what you can do. You can give. You can financially, I'm talking financially give and give through prayer and give in other ways, but financially give so that other people can go. You can help send them out. We've sent missionaries all over the world that are impacting lives. And here's the cool thing. Here's the really cool thing. God says that when you give to help other people do that, you participate, you receive that reward as well. You get to receive that reward as well so that you send someone out. You, you, you help support, like a Chris Cox who's a part of back-to-back ministries here locally, and you're supporting him. Everything that Chris does, everything that his family does, all that Chris is able to accomplish in Jesus Christ, you are a part of that story in heaven. You receive the reward with him in heaven because you've allowed him the ability to go out and participate. You've, you've allowed him the freedom to use his time to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you can't, if you can't go, you can give. 3 John 1.8 tells us we, have support, we, we must support believers who go on trips like this so that we can work together with them in spreading the truth. And then in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, it says this, Freely you have received, freely give. God says, I've given to you generously. You need to give generously as well. Give to, give to, the, to the church. Give to people who are out there making a difference, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get involved and give to those people so they can do it. So I can pray, I can give, and then I can step out. I can step out in faith. So what does that mean, stepping out in faith? It means volunteering. See, God is putting together a family. It's like an army of people. He's putting together an army. But God, in God's army, he's not, gonna, he's not going to draft you. God is not drafting people into the army. He's not forcing people to go into the army. That's a choice that you have to make for yourself. You need to volunteer. You need to, ha- you need to be able to say, Lord, I'm, I am in. I am willing. I am able. Send me. I want to go. I want to go. You know, you know why I believe that God uses me in different ways? I'm not, this is not bragging. Just, I, I am so blessed. I feel like God has, has used me in ways I never, ever imagined even 10 years ago, 
20 years ago. Never could have imagined it. It's because I wake up in the morning many times and I'll say, I'll say in my heart, Lord God, I know you're going to do some amazing things. You're going to do this today, this week. You're going to do some amazing, you're going to do some miraculous things. You're going to do some awesome things. You're going to be, you're going to do some dynamic things. Please, can I be a part of some of them? Can you, can I be a part of some of the dynamic things that are happening? Let me, can I, can I put my piece of the puzzle into what you're going to do? And God uses, God uses us. Let me tell you something. There's a, there, there, you remember the, uh, the prophet Isaiah? The prophet Isaiah, you know, he, he was saying, God, use me. That's the same thing that prophet Isaiah was saying. God, use me. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, it says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said to the Lord, Here I am, Lord. Send me. What have you done in your life that is going to last? What do you want to do in your life that is truly going to last? I, I want for you, and I want for me, for God to use us in a way that is so far beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. But in order to do that, you just need to say, I'm in. God, I am in. I, I mean, I'm going to dare you. I double dog dare you. How's that, okay? I double dog dare you in church this morning. I dare you to pray the most dangerous prayer in the universe. The most dangerous prayer in the universe is to say to God, God, please what? Use me. Dangerous prayer. If you pray that prayer, God, use me. Use me. Help me overcome the sin that's holding me back. Help me to overcome those, those issues of fear that's holding me back. God, use me. If you pray that prayer, bear, you better have your boots on because you're going for the ride of your life. And I'm going to tell you something as your pastor. Don't you ever say, I'd never go to Africa. You want to next ship over, okay? People, people who say, I, don't ever say to God, I'll never do something, okay? It's a dangerous thing to do. Because God's like, you never do that, huh? Watch this. You know, manipulates things. All of a sudden, you're off. How did I get here? You're sitting in Africa with this, you know. (laughs) Be careful. Pray that prayer. God, use me. I double dog dare you to pray that prayer in your life and watch what God is going to do. Watch how God is going to use you. Okay, fourth, go. Go where you can go. You say, I, well, I can't go anywhere. right. I can't go overseas right now. Well, go where you can go. Maybe you can't go in another country right now, but you can go to your neighborhood. You can go into your school. You can go. There are places where, that you can go. We live in a country that is filled with people who have need, people whose hearts are breaking, people who feel hopeless, who feel helpless, who are dying inside. We can go to them. We can use, you can, you can get, you can have like uh, play dates with people in your neighborhood and the kids can come over and you can talk to each other. You can share God's love that way with other people because when you sit down with people for a long period of time, what's on their hearts will come out of their mouths. Once there was a guy who was really struggling with demons in his life. You heard this story before. It was, it's, in, it's in Luke. And he's struggling with all these demons. He has all these demons in his life. And they tied him up outside. They said, this guy is messed up. He's mentally, he's gone. I mean, he, he keep him away from everyone. And Jesus comes into his life and the, and the demons know that Jesus is there. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, don't, please don't throw us into the abyss. Cast us into these pigs or whatever. So Jesus throws him into the pigs and the pigs are off the cliff. You've heard this story, right? So the guy is now freed up. I mean, can you imagine being completely mentally 
um, in, 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 in incapable of, of being able to think clearly and your, your life is completely ruined. They tie you up outside or whatever. And then Jesus comes along and bam, he heals the person. And the man says, hey, I want to go with you to the next town. I want to go follow you. And Jesus said, no, 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 I don't want you to follow me to the next town. I want you to stay here. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 39. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. That's what my youth pastor told me. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. That's what God is saying to some of you. You need to go back home. You need to go into your school. You need to go into your place of work. You need to go into your neighborhood. You students, please, 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 please hear me out here. Please. There are people all around you. This is the greatest opportunity you're ever going to have to have that many people with you every single day who desperately need you. And you don't have to, I, you do not have to bring your Bible to school, okay? And you don't even have to talk about Jesus, what I'm saying. Here's what you need to do. You need to say, hey, man, we have archery tag over in our, you ever, you ever do archery tag? Archery tag, what's that? Man, it's like shooting people with arrows. You get to shoot people, you get to shoot people in church. You want to talk about an act of God? I mean, Kevin says this all the time. I love it. Tell me if God's not working here. We are taking the church there. The school is inviting the church in to talk about, basically he talks about God while he's there, talk about God with weapons. Amen. Amen. We're taking weapons into school and talking about God. If that's not the Holy Spirit, you don't have a brain, okay? <laughs> So you can go into your school and say, we, have, we had 50 students, we had 200 students in an archery tournament yesterday in our building, over 200. And then there was 50 high school students running around shooting each other during archery tag. It was just an open archery tag. You go into your school, talk to your friends and say, hey, want to come over to our building? It's called the Grace Impact Center. Just call it the Impact Center. We have an impact center, okay? It's a big turf field. We put these things that we shoot each other with arrows. Don't tell them it's a little marshmallow. That's even more fun. And so you, you, know, you get there and you bring them over and you have a blast. And they say, this is your church? Yeah, it's our church. This is what you do in church? Yeah, this is what we do. We shoot each other in church. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Run. I'm going to get you. <laughs> so so that's, that's what you do. Look at the opportunities. Talk to Pastor David. Talk to Pastor Kevin. Talk to Pastor Chris. Talk to one of those guys. They'll set you up. We'll let you use the building and you get all your friends over here. I guarantee they're going to want to come back to church. At least to shoot each other with our, at archery and get, we'll just work from there. When you go to work, there are people all around you who need your help. They are desperately in need of your help, my friends. This is what we need to do. 2 Timothy 4.5 says this, work at, bringing, work at bringing others to Christ. Why? Because they will experience God's love. They will experience God's blessing. They will experience God's forgiveness. They will experience God's peace and his joy and his contentment. They will have a purpose for living. They will have a home in heaven. They will have their sins forgiven. God will forgive their past, all that is offered to them. Let me close with a couple of things. Let me tell you something. Most people that you interact with, most people in the world every day are not living. They're just existing and they don't even know it. They don't even know what living is. I didn't know what life was until I asked Christ to come into my life. Here's what most people do. They get up in the morning, they get ready, they go to work. They come home, they watch TV, they go to bed. They get up the next day, they get ready, they go to work, they come home, they watch TV, maybe have a couple conversations, and then they, they go to bed. And then the weekends, guess what they get to do? They get to go out and party. 
They get to party because so miserable during the week. They have to get wasted on the weekends because what are we going? What else is there to do? You can't have any fun. You can't do anything unless you're drunk. So let's go out and party. They're not. They think that's living. That's not living. That's just existing. They're just existing. What are they doing that is meaningful? What are they doing to fulfill their purpose in life? Then they sit around at work and go, what am, "Why am I doing this? What is the meaning of all this?" They have all these questions and no one's talking to them about why, and no one's asking, answering those questions. That's what they want so badly in their lives. God called you to send you. God called you to send you. Get up and go. Get up and start living. See, the problem is for so many of us, for so many people in this room, and for so many Christians around the world, they have never even picked, you've never picked a fight with the enemy. Here's some of the problem that we, we sit back and go, you know, my Christian life's kind of boring. You've never picked a fight with the enemy. You've never taken on a cause and pick the fight. Sometimes, my friends, you can't just live your life. You need to pick a fight. You need to see something that's completely unhealthy and should not be happening in the world and you need to pick a fight with the enemy. Sometimes in life, you, you know, here's the problem. So many people have never tried to actually walk on water. We read about walking on water. We read about Daniel and the lion's den. We read about passing through the sea. But you've never experienced that yourself. You've never tried to walk on water. And what I'm talking about here is doing the impossible. You've never tried to do the impossible. You've never given yourself to Christ that way. You've never stretched your faith until it was at the breaking point. You have never stepped out in faith expecting God and trusting in God. You've never given yourself to him in that way. You've never taken a leap of faith, a leap of faith and expected God to catch you. That's what you're missing. That's what you're missing in your life. That is living. That is living, saying, God, I want to pass through the sea. I want to fight the lions. I want to pick up my sword. I want to charge the enemy. I want to fight the giants. Lord, let me experience that in my life. See, we don't get to experience that because we're too busy just existing instead of living. You want to live, you pick up your sword, you get the armor of God, and you go back where you go every single day, and you bring Jesus Christ into that place with you. And with all the love you have in your heart, you share the love of Jesus Christ with those people. You share it by, by, by helping them, by praying for them, by encouraging them, by serving them, by loving them, and then if you have to, use words. You share the love of Jesus Christ with them. Let me tell you something. When you, you, you say, I'm, well, that makes me fearful. When you face your fears, they become your strengths. When you face your fears, they become your strengths. The enemy doesn't want you to know that, but I'm telling you the truth. When you face your fears, they become your strengths. When you walk where you've never walked before, you learn your true identity. You find out who you are. God has called you. Get up. Get up and go. Step out. Step out in faith and let him catch you. Let him show you what life is truly all about. Let him show you what living truly is. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity we can come together. And God, we pray that you would send us from this place today with fire in our hearts, 
with a passion and a desire and a boldness to go to where we go each and every day, to school, to work, to our neighborhoods, to our sports teams, wherever it is, Lord God, to our homes, and somehow give us the opportunity through your Holy Spirit to share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone around us. Lord God, they need to hear it, and we have the information. Use us, we pray, and set our hearts on fire. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.